Welcome back to another episode of the Juan Juan Podcast. I'm your host as always, Juan. Make sure to follow the show on social media at the Juan Juan Podcast on all social media platforms. You can find all my links at tjojp.com. And today we have a special guest. We have William Ramsey with us today. What's up, William? This is your first time on the show. What's up, man? Not much. I'm doing well. Thanks for the invite. Appreciate it. Yeah, I was delightfully surprised when I, I don't know what it was I was looking at, but I had seen you had liked something on Instagram, I think it was. And then when I clicked on your profile, I was like, follow back. I was like, oh, William Ramsey follows me because I check out your show every now and again. So it, I was like, oh, OK, and that's when I had hit you up and we set this up. So can you let, let people know where they can find your stuff? Because you do great work, your podcast oh, and documentaries yeah i was originally a writer i just was grinding out books back started in 2010 but i kind of was a guest on a lot of shows so i started compiling those and then i kind of had a podcast and started doing interviews around 2017 2018 so you can find my books on um uh amazon you can find it on my website william ramsey investigates and then my podcast is in the top 0.5 i guess the top 15,000 podcasts in the world and it's just william ramsey investigates just kind of a general independent investigative journalism show so i could try to cover a lot of different topics but a lot of a lot of these are like uh, interviews that i've done where people have interviewed me as well you can find there william ramsey investigates i really like your style because you you obviously you're well versed also i talk a lot about the occult on my show and alchemy and magic and all that stuff and i know you've covered that as well but you do it also from a journalistic point of view you kind of, not to compare you, but you kind of sort of remind me of like a Michael Hoffman in, in a type of way, right? So where you get, you get the best of both worlds, you get the journalism and you get the actual cult knowledge. And can you tell the listeners a little bit about you, about you know what got you in this line, this, this field of journalism? I know you started writing at first, but what was that one thing that just really set you off to start wanting to dive deeper into this? 9-11. So I like to be compared to Michael Hoffman. He's a huge influence on me. His, uh, what was it, Psychological Warfare. It was Secret Societies and Psychological Warfare is a book I've read three or four times. I've interviewed him as well. But I think his that's a really a seminal, important piece of work up there with kind of like Program to Kill by Dave McGowan. But I was just a kind of hapless, uh, state-educated uh you know, a person who went through the system and thought they were educated, went to D.C. and saw a lot of people like a lot of crazy stuff from the inside that isn't covered in the media. Uh, the media is really kind of, to me, just blatant propaganda. That's about as honest as like uh, Pravda in Russia, state sponsored propaganda, mockingbird media. So it set me off really on just kind of trying to figure out things myself. The Internet came on mid 90s for me. So I was always trying to read and I went through kind of like a William Cooper phase Alex Jones phase, really trying to just kind of learn as much as I could. 9-11 happened. I was a sucker and believed the government story maybe until 2003 or four, And then I kind of was like, oh, what's going on? And it was during that. I kept seeing there was this uh, predominance of the number 11. And just through the research, flight 11, September 11, what's this number? Is it random? And it just popped up so many times. There was another researcher. He was name was um, it was he worked with the ghost group. He's unfortunately passed away, but his name was which escapes me right now. It was Colonel May, I think, or Captain May. Sorry. So he was he noticed this number predominance 11, 11, 11. He didn't understand 
the kind of occult significance. So it was just through research and just uh, being a person who was willing to read a lot and kind of do his own kind of uh, legwork. I realized that the number 11 was very important in the occult and all these numbers led back to cruelly 11, 93, 77, and 175, which are the numbers of the planes. But it's not, it's not just that. It's that even the twin towers are a giant 11. It's 110 stories. There's just so many numerical consistencies that it obviously something very sinister and under the surface was happening in this event, 9-11-2001. And so that's kind of what led me back to Crowley. So I really did a study on Crowley, and that's how ignorant I was of the occult. I listened to all this public music and the culture. I was definitely a part of – I'm part of the American culture. I grew up in a Northern California, drugs and, you know, broken home and all that stuff. And, and so I, I'm part of the system that I was in, but I didn't understand it. I didn't understand the kind of deeper things that are influencing the occult, just like simple bands and – a meaning. So that's kind of really why I researched it because I wanted to understand. So I researched Crowley and then I kind of got sidetracked and looked into the West Memphis Three and then I researched Crowley's influence, uh, which led to my, that was my third book, uh, Children of the Beast. And then I wrote two documentaries. I've done five documentaries. I kind of did a whole three and a half hours on the Smiley Face Killer or something. A lot of these things, like I just thought Crowley was a dabbler. It turns out he wasn't a dabbler. He was a very intelligent guy who dedicated his whole life to the occult and to become, you know, Satan's chief of staff. That's really what he thought of himself. That's what he wrote in his biography. So I had these kind of, I thought the West Memphis three were innocent. I thought that there was some kind of technicality and they got out in 2011. And then I actually read the documents and I was like, well, these guys are guilty at law, but there's enough evidence to convict them. And they actually pled guilty again in 2011. So I got a different side of the story from the media. And then Crowley's influence is all over the place. It just, you you unfurl it. He leads up into even today, these people that you read have been influenced by Crowley, whether it's Jimmy Savile, Marina Abramovich. So many of these people, and some people that people don't know, people know Zeppelin, they know maybe Timothy Leary. But these are people having the influence on the culture and the mindscape of the world, really, and individuals. So I thought that was an important book. And then I did the S. Smiley Face Killers, something that I also thought was an urban legend. I thought it was like a Bigfoot or UFO story. And then I started researching and I actually saw this whole phenomenon take place uh, with individuals who died. Well, the first one I followed was a young man by the name of Joey Labute out of Columbus, Ohio. And then... Dakota James in uh, Pittsburgh, PA. And then I just it was like, okay, this is real. This is a phenomenon that happens. Young men are at bars. They're being stalked. They're being abducted later to be found either in water or near water without water in their lungs. So they didn't drown. But the, the public perception is, oh, these guys got drunk and fell in water. It's really easy to understand, like in your mind, oh, yeah, that's what happened. But then you look at these cases and they disappear. Nobody sees them go in water. They're young and healthy. Dakota James was the head of his high school swim team. So it's like him falling in a river and drowning is un it's unbelievable. Like you could sw he could swim out. And some of these people are found in shallow water. So the Smiley Face Killers is real. It's happening now. There's a huge number of cases. It's really all over the internet. Outside of stuff that I'm doing research about uh, in Chicago and Austin, they're calling it the Lady Bird Killer. But it's the same kind of phenomenon. And in Chicago, like people are keyed up to it, like they understand this phenomenon is happening. So that was my documentary, 2017. I had a follow-up to it called "Smiley Face Killers: The Global Slaughter Continues" in 2020. And then I did 
a visual do- version for documentary on my first book, which is uh, Alistair Crowley, Our Prophet of Evil. So you can see that on Vimeo. I've done an occult Hollywood where I kind of kind of take apart some of the symbolism in films. And uh, I have one on Children of the Beast as well. So I've, I've done the videos. And then that led up to my most recent book that I published, which is about global death cult, which is my research into kind of the occulted far right. That's really global now. It's hard to believe like this kind of Nazi ideology has morphed and actually had real world effects and has had these events that really in these these trials and conviction really recently uh, within the last couple of months. So uh, it's happening on a global thing and they're able to uh, promote this ideology through ease of communication through the internet. So that's kind of like an overview of kind of what led me to research this stuff and kind of put it out. I never thought I'd be a writer, but I did the re- I did the groundwork to put these books together with a lot of footnotes, like Children of Beast has 800 footnotes, like it's over research. Um, so people at least can see like, hey, this stuff's happening. If you don't think mm-hmm. in secret, secret societies exist, read Children of the Beast, because you'll see this effect of these secret society groups and things like that. Um, yeah. But... Yeah, so that's basically it. And then that kind of led me to my interviewing. So a lot of the people I interviewed for my show were people who were researchers into these phenomenon, whether it's Jim Smith, who was a smiley face killers researcher, or people who are also interested in the occult or kind of taking apart uh, films with occult symbolism and meaning and things like that. So. And for those that, that don't really believe, because that's one of the things that once you start to really peel back the layers it you start to notice the occult and and all and everything quite literally everything i mean since the beginning of time but some people refuse to believe that william they they refuse to open their eyes enough to read between the lines the possibility that the elites of this world of of this uh, of this country maybe perhaps are in touch with something otherworldly something outside of the of reality if you will and they're letting that dictate their choices that they make that to some people sounds too far-fetched the idea that baphomet and the knights templar right they were assisted with baphomet in making the modern day banking system right and alchemical made alchemically i mean that's that's what it's all about if you check out tracy twyman's work on the alchemical creation of the monetary system i mean that's his story to a certain extent it's it's mainstream history right that we know about these things but when you start to knock at the door of the occult, some people just refuse to believe it. And I, and I always tell everyone, I go, that's fine. You don't have to believe it, but they believe it. Your soul believes it. And they understand this, this idea that they understand this concept. And I forgot what I was reading where it talked about what, what book was I reading? I, I've read probably three books this month. And so I've been just jumping all over the place doing research. But it might have been Walter Bosley, because I'm going to have him on this weekend. And even even he writes about the occult, too, and, and the way that Walt Disney Disneyland is built on top of the 33rd. And we're going to get into all that. But just the idea that some people refuse to believe that. I mean, did you go in kind of skeptically trying to disprove that? Or did you stumble across the occult being this thing? Because I, I think of Kabbalah, right? The the uh, the what Crowley was because I hate Crowley. I'll be honest. I, I hate his guts. I've looked into his work and I read a lot and I have never encountered material 
that quite literally makes me sick to my stomach. Crowley's work does that for me. It quite literally makes me feel sick to where I want to throw up when you just, I mean, white stains. <laughs> right? Uh, that's, it gets worse than that, too, oh, but that's pretty bad. Yeah, that one's pretty. That was like one of the first ones. And then when you encounter right. the other stuff, I'm like, wait a minute. And then, I think that was his first book of poetry, maybe yes. his second. Yeah, it was one of the first ones. But that's those. That was the first uh, perverted poems that he had put out. That my my introduction to it, and how you're saying once you get into the other stuff, it's like there's another one. I forgot the name of it, but there's there's so many of them, and people praise this guy. Now I watch your documentary on him, and you go really in depth as far as the the history of Crowley was he smarter than we think he actually was or do, or is that giving him too much credit? Do you think he was actually that smart? It's a good question. I think that he was a member of the highest class in England who had tons of money. So he didn't have kind of a nine to five meant to, like the rest of us, like you have to work to kind of survive. He didn't have that. So I think that he was able to, really maximize that time for his own benefit. So I do think he was naturally intelligent, a very intelligent, a person of the higher intelligence, but also coupled with the fact that he dedicated his whole life to kind of occultism. I think that that kind of sets him apart as opposed to kind of the weekend occultists. So he was, you know, writing encyclopedias and putting out so many copies of different books, mm -hmm. like no real researcher to my knowledge. And there's a couple very, sophisticated competent researchers who like Crowley as opposed to you I find Crowley very distasteful I'm like his enemy like I'm not an occultist at all I'm a Christian Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah so I say that over and over again do not think that I promote Crowley I promote an understanding of Crowley because he I think in my opinion is an understanding of the kind of darker elements spiritual elements that exist in the world but nobody's really got together and put together a full compendium of all of the stuff he's written all the journalism and things like that like people don't know like he was right i was surprised vanity fair vanity fair is still around today he wrote for vanity fair here and wrote under different names so i think that uh i think he was plenty smart i really do i think that he was just part of that class this kind of intellectual class mm -hmm. of the at the very apex of the british empire before world war one and mm -hmm. world war ii so I think that also helped him a lot because he had all the benefits of a person of that highest class travel and exposure to the best schools and literature and being kind of in the environment of uh, this kind of uh, Victorian era intelligentsia, I think really influenced. Like he probably wouldn't have been as influential if, influential if he didn't join the golden dawn he wasn't an heir either i mean yeah. if, he, if he was and this is this is a very interesting time yeah i was i was surprised when you when you brought up the vanity fair and all these different articles that he had written i, I didn't even know about that right and i've i haven't covered crowley as far as his life i've covered parsons in depth and obviously he was a crowleyan a crowley lover and he was a disciple of his crowley called him his most important uh follower they call him they call each other father and son or something like that they, they refer to his, his father and refer to him as son but this this time right the the late 19th century 
early 20th century. That was a weird time that with, with occultism and mainly P. Hall also. I think I figured out the the secret to enlightenment, William. The secret to enlightenment is have either a sugar mama like Manly P. Hall. He had a sugar mama that, that they passed him this inheritance over again. He inherited and he was able to go around the world and be initiated. He writes about it in his journals. He was initiated in all these secret mystery schools. And that's how he was able to compile these encyclopedias. And he was such a prolific writer because of that. Because how you're saying they weren't trapped in this nine to five. Crowley was an error to what was it? Was it wasn't it like a beer empire or something or other? Yeah, it was it wasn't just beer. He was kind of his parents uh, sold beer and kind of like sandwiches through the pub system mm. in the UK. So they uh, had a ton of money, and at the time of his parent, I think his inheritance was about twenty million pounds at that time. So it was an incredible sum of money. It was not like uh, just a hundred thousand or something like that, which he wasted. He actually died penniless. He was a profligate spender. And that's why I think it's all BS, William, whenever they talk about. So if we talk, so a 20 million pounds, I'm trying to see the, the how much it would be at worth At that today. time, too. I think it was at that time. So it's like an extraordinary. Whoa, $716 million. What? I, I'd have to go back and look at that number again. I could have swore it was twenty million pounds. Was his? No, no, yeah, it was. But the equivalent to about right. seven hundred and sixteen right. million like dollars. What? Yeah. You can go back and see the Crowley beer pictures, like they were selling Crowley beer, but they let the uh, brand go by the wayside. He didn't want to do. He could have, you know, he could have been one of those heirs to like Anheuser Busch or something, you know, where they did the money. So yeah, that's another interesting part of Crowley is he didn't keep up the family business. He rejected it. So wow, yeah. okay. Yeah, let so me, let me bring up profit of evil. Let me see if I can find that. Story. That is crazy. So I I never knew how much he had gotten, but right, the wickedest man in the world, alcohol, prohibition, and religion. I'm looking up this this article here on WordPress from 2009. But the idea, right? If we talk about beer, because beer, wine, and spirits, I've talked about how the word bar. In Sumerian means altar, and you go to a bar to consume wine and spirits, and then you're talking about these smiley face killers and how they're found, quote unquote, drunk after being at a bar, so an altar, and maybe they're perhaps pseudo sacrificed in some way or another. But yeah, and and the whole uh, when people get possessed when they're under the influence of alcohol, I've also heard about that people become someone different and they become like this. They're they open themselves up to other entities. I've heard it put that way before, but I've, I've studied Parsons and I've gone down that whole rabbit hole and Crowley. I know enough about him to be dangerous. And like I said, how I said earlier, it's, it's very grotesque. And I just don't find him as enticing how some people do. They're just like, Oh, Crowley's everything. Yeah. Maybe perhaps he did reveal to us that there is an underworld an occulted scaffolding, if you will, of the elites and how you're saying he could have he was an elite himself he was going to all the best schools he was very wealthy and he was doing all these things well he also had that real classist attitude yes so he did not mix with the middle class the underclass he just viewed them as servants his idea was the slaves shall serve like this class system is the best he believed in feudalism so he's very much like these uh, people in the new world order 
but mm-hmm. you know, obviously a hundred years before, mm-hmm. but he had that. It was written in Libra 77, the slave shall serve. And it's in the book of the law as well. So I think he had, that was really ingrained into his idea. And he said, have not have nothing to do with the muck of the mire, find the diamonds and polish them. So that was kind of his idea. Don't waste time with, you know, having an egalitarian sensibility with ideas or his magic it was find the elites and polish them. And that's, uh, kind of what he did. So that's those are the people that he wanted to talk to, H.L. Mencken, and these other kind of cognoscenti, illuminated type people. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to these numbers, I believe that that is a way of of manipulating reality. I think this is why the movie The Matrix is a thing. This is why these the Freemasons, for example, they revere Pythagoras. Pythagoras said all his numbers. So I believe by him saying that. He was hinting at some sort of not not that that we're in this computer simulation that's been pushed as of lately, but maybe some organic simulation. Maybe it's the the way that reality works. And by you inputting these numbers, because we always see it, everybody in the truther community will come out and be like, oh, look, this, this equals 33. What does it mean, though? Why does it equal 33? What is what? Oh, the Sumerian cipher. What is the Sumerian cipher? Oh, the Chaldean. What does it mean? Why are they doing these things? Do you have any input on that as to why they correlate all these numbers with these certain events? As of lately, we saw 33 come up in that and the newest one that we saw with obviously, you know, the one that I'm talking about in the news lately, right. the 30, 33 right. what, did, what did Pythagoras say it was? And that's very important influence on all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Rosicrucians, yes. uh, Masons. But I think he said you can break down the universe into mathematics everything can be broken down to mathematics so i guess the numbers is if you're a magician that's how you're like correlating in time and space and dates and things like that for the optimal way to get the magical energy up or whatever too and it's also kind of a significant of power like this is uh i can use these numbers and dates whatever and this is how i'm going to influence people subtly um through kind of sigil magic or uh you know, through the psychosphere, I think that there's, I mean, if you're a magician and have a magical worldview, I think that that's really your aim is to have all these things set up in alignment in times and space and ceremony and the ritual all, all plays together. So I think like nine 11, for example, it was like a structured event. There was like a magical underpinning. There was a political, there was a financial, there was a geopolitical. So everything had to be in, uh, in alignment to have the proper result. I think that that was it, you know, to, to do like the magical dictum dictum that Crowley said, which is the art and science of magic is to shape reality in conformance with your will. So I think that that's kind of like, so I think that those, that sensibility may, may be for these rituals and things like that. Um, so it makes sense if you're a Mason, like 33 is what the, the sun rises and sets at the 33rd degree. Isn't that it? So I think that that's why the the initiatory uh, grades end at thirty three. Oh, there's that's other it. there's other Freemason sects, I guess you can call them that. They they go I think above thirty three. I think they go into the oh right uh, Memphis and Mizraim or whatever. Yeah, from my understanding, again, I'm not an occultist nor uh, a member of any secret society, but I I know enough to right. Sometimes you know more than the actual people who participate in these organizations which 
which Michael Hoffman writes about that a lot, that people are more initiated now than they've ever been before. And I can't imagine being around. I was in the second grade when, when 9-11 was around. I can't imagine if it would have happened today and the conspiracy theories that would be just running rampant. I mean, I don't know how that was looked apart, uh, how, how you were looked upon back then if you even thought about something because everybody always talks about how traumatic it was, right? Everybody's like, oh, you know, I was crying. It's like, not to be mean or anything, but why were you crying? I mean, did if you weren't directly involved with the buildings, why would it affect you? And I think that's also, do you have any thoughts on that? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, I think it was a traumatic event. I mean, there was 3,000 people dead and two huge buildings disappeared that people watched. I mean, the cinematics were, looking back, were incredible. Like, I actually could not register watching that happen that i didn't think the buildings disappeared even though they did where were you at during that do you remember i was at home with my wife what state Uh, california california yeah so Mm -hmm. i watched it i like turned on the tv and we just sat there and watched it it was incredible so i think it was very traumatic like i believed all the the cover story at the time that was an initiation then absolutely watching it over and over and over again and it's how i tell people the right crowley he wrote about the homunculus and i've done research on the homunculus extensively and what and egregores right and these the ley lines and these these currents along the world well when they talk about the balloons for example and how everybody celebrates that they shot it down well that was the ritual right if we look at the georgia guidestones that they were blown up people celebrating that it was blown it's like no they sealed the deal with that that was the burning of the sigil the blowing up of the done, balloon. Like they already, they've already got everybody to killed off. Right? Where attention mean? goes, energy flows. So everybody's powering these egregores, these homunculus, if you will, and they're watching this on TV. Because again, I was, I was, you know, seven or eight years old. I wasn't even that old. I didn't understand really what was going on. And then obviously you get bigger and you start to question things. But that's why I, I always wondered that, like people were crying they, they took us out of school because it was this whole big thing and then the the events leading up to that we had george bush and the kids chanting what was it plain bird something steel burn steel something like that some cr- weird stuff that when you and bowing down get yeah. your book out everybody goes goes down like it's incredible when you it's see that I always wonder when they put all these things in TV, for example, you had Biden talking about the new world order. Like, you know, you stir people up by talking like that. So you think that you would pick another word, right? Instead of saying the new world order, we know that they've been talking about the new world order for forever, conspiracy theorists. And then he goes on public television and says the new, those, that phrase, the new world order. And I think it was like red in the background or something or other. It's like, and then you see things like how you're saying, well, they're bowing down and this event happened. They tell him about it. He doesn't even react almost as if he knew or I don't know. And he certainly didn't run off. He didn't run off. But it's like they put all these things in front of you. And it's like, are you supposed to interpret them how you're interpreting them? Because if you look at it from a certain point of view, you're looked as like you're crazy. Like, no, bro, it's not a ritual. It's not a cult. There's no way. But then you see it and you go, well, that's not normal either. <laughs> you know, it's not it's not a normal way to behave. And it's just, is it, how many times does it need to happen for it to not be considered a coincidence is what I'm trying to get at, William. Right. Good question. 
Well, I mean, I think that uh, 9-11, who did it benefit? It certainly didn't benefit the terrorists. It certainly <laughs> didn't benefit anybody in the Middle East. Who was the who was the chief beneficiary? The military industrial complex, the politicians, people who ran the show. The same thing happened on 9-11 that happened in COVID, right? Oh, we got to open the floodgates, spigots to money. Don't ask any questions. Give this money to them. Everybody's traumatized and terrorized. It's terrifying either way. It's terrifying if you think Osama bin Laden was able to get 19 terrorists to do incredible things with planes. Guys who, you know, probably knew could fly a plane as well as I could. Uh, that's terrifying. The other terrifying thing is thinking that your own government did it to your own citizens. You have a total contempt for the American people. Mm-hmm. That's also that they don't give a. They probably care more for an ant farm in their kid's bedroom than the average American person. That's terrifying. That should terrify, terrify the living daylight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Cause that actually just happened with COVID. So. Yeah. And people seem to fall back in line and they, they it always seems like there's this, and I was raised Pentecostal Christian. So I was raised with the second coming of Christ is going to happen soon. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You need to repent, right? The rapture is going to happen. And so... That's one of the great mind controls in Christianity. It really is. <laughs> They've used it. It's not just the Pentecostals. God is right around the corner. They do the same thing to the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses. Was it Miller? The Millerites? All these guys. Seventh-day Adventists. Christ is coming. They've all got it wrong. Everybody who's made a prediction of Christ has got it wrong, and they're actually not in conformance with the Bible because yes. the Lord Jesus Christ said, no one knows the time or date but God. Exactly. So, I, I was raised that. with that with that in mind. And so I'm pretty sure when 2001 happened, it was like, this is the end of the world. Like this is the, the world's ending right now. You know, we have this this great, this big terrorism, uh, terrorist attack. This is the, the world ending. We had 2020. People are saying, wow, the world's ending now. Or we're, we're in the end times. The first book I ever read, I got my Bible next. I always keep my Bible next to me. The first book I ever read, bro, when I was 12 years old, I think I was, was the book Revelation. And then I was watching your documentary and you're talking about how Crowley loved the book Revelation because it talked about, you know, all, all the, the stuff that he references, right? The great beast and the, the, Scarlet, the, Woman. the Scarlet Woman. Mark of the Beast. He had his own Mark of the Beast. Yeah, all that stuff. And so that was the all first book the I ever read. And I grew up with that. My my grandma's is very religious, and I remember tell, her telling me like, "Yo, they're gonna cut your head off if if you don't repent for if you stay behind, they're gonna cut your head off. And the only way that you can go back up is if they cut your head off and you suffer." I'm like, I remember as a kid, I was 12 years old. I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> you know, like I'm trying to do my best. And so I grew up with that sort of how you said it was kind of like a mind control type of. Thing for it but some the problem with that william is that the same way that the occult right is is subtly influencing reality or people's minds i call the bible for example since it was ever made i i've dubbed it interdimensional arc literature interdimensional literature where it's this these books that affect people's realities and the problem with that is that right now you have people who are living that, right? They're living that reality. So, what you know, there's like a clashing of realities going on all at once. You have what's really happening. 
you have people's perceived realities in their in their reality tunnels and then you have whatever other reality tunnel that the, the media is trying to push these people in so you got people pretty much running around it's like how it says in the bible it's a it's a spirit it's a not a war against the flesh and blood right it's a spiritual Ephesians war. 6 12 yeah yeah Ephesians 6, 12. so oh, i agree and though that's interesting that you use the term reality like everybody has a different reality it's some people have a biblical worldview it's not as popular as it used to be but uh some people are evolution uh there's nothing the universe is meaningless so and the real question is like how how are those realities enforced and that some of these christian churches are just as bad a cult as scientology so you got to really watch out <laughs> and that's a way to keep the to keep the uh the crew in line you know christ is coming to more tomorrow you better get to church work harder your tithings tithe, don't forget the tithings yeah don't forget the tithing the 10 like percent yeah they have uh they have like uh they have it down some of these leaders these so-called christian leaders are really good at controlling their flock i think this is where i got when uh, his mother passed away emily she gave an estate value today at roughly 7.5 million in today's currency really so it was decent sized I mean, as much as I have. Seven point five million today. I mean, <laughs> with the seven point way... five million pounds, right? So it's like fourteen million bucks. What's the what's the oh okay? So yeah. it's still it's still decent. I would be happy with fourteen million dollars. So it's nine point three million U.S. dollars today. You know, today seven point five million pounds. But you're talking about and. In 1900, right? Let's put 1900. 7.5 million pounds is a lot more, because it seemed like it. It lasted him a long time, like a yeah, very long into time. into his 30s. Yeah, but he lived it up. I mean, he had the best of everything. He had very expensive tastes all the way till his death. But he, some of his books are really remarkable. If you look at an original copy of Magic and Theory and yes. Practice, uh, he put the best, like vellum. Like literal, like uh, what do you call it? Vellum is is basically doe skin, so it's covered in really the best, highest stuff, the the finest parchment, everything. I mean, it re he really didn't spare an ex any expense for certain of his books that he published. They really are remarkable. I've I've seen it in a private library, uh, one version of Magic and Theory of Practice, where like he really just. He blew. I mean, he must have spent thousands of pounds just just to get yeah. this kind of self published thing done. Yeah, and it's crazy because I have a friend of mine who owns a bookstore, and whenever he gets anything curly, it instantly sells out. Like instantly, immediately as he gets, it, he posts it on his website, and as soon as he posts it, it's gone that day. So there's people who still follow him to this day. And I know you've talked about the smiley face killings. Is that related at all to this this Crowley, right? The do what thou wilt? <laughs> I think maybe the attitude or the occultism. I think there's something occult going on with the smiley face killers. But whether it's directly tied to Crowley, I don't know. Like, I'm not initiated either. I've never been initiated. I'll never be initiated. Uh, just like Crowley said, Satan is the Lord of initiation. So whenever you see people getting initiated, <laughs> you should probably kind of sit up in your chair. But I don't know. But I, I mean, Crowley is still influencing these people today. I put up a, a post about Crowley and uh, human sacrifice. Like a lot of people, there's like this whole kind of rigmarole that these Crowleyites pull on people where it's like, oh, magic and theory and practice references 
human sacrifice of eight year olds. It's He's symbolic. Talking, it's symbolic. Yeah, it's symbolic. Yeah, yeah. Well, you can actually, I put this up. Um, you can go to World's Tragedy, Libra 66, and see other writings about Crowley about human sacrifice and child rape, which he was involved in, according to his own writings in the magical record of the beast. And the, these Crowleyites came out of the woodwork, man. They were harassing me like crazy. Yeah. So they're still around. Levent, Peter Lavenda, people know that name. He said it was a blood uh, libel, a blood libel to bring that out. So these people think that Crowley's work is holy. Wait, Lavenda like is, that, a, is a Crowley work. sympathizer? Absolutely. He's. Have you ever seen him in a Crowley OTO ritual? No, no, I didn't know. I, I, I have, I've read Peter Lavenda's work, and I didn't know he was. Oh, he was yeah, a practicing. He goes, way back. he goes back to the magic and theory, uh, magical child, which is an occult bookstore. Um, but yeah, Lavenda, yeah, he came out. Some other guy from like Visconti from Italy came out. I mean, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we can talk offline. I mean, I'll tell you some stuff about Lavenda. There's a yeah. lot of stuff. Yeah, no, yeah, we could talk about that because I again, I no, he was in some secret society. He wasn't actually a named person, but he was in this kind of like uh, OTO ritual. I can probably pull it up. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, because I have a couple of his books actually uh, in my bookshelf. <laughs> Still around? Yeah, I know he's around. He's. I, I think I've I, I've tried to find his information to have him on the show, but haven't. He he wrote kind of like the satanic version for dummies version of my book called. Uh, the most dangerous book in the world or something like that. It's really kind of a joke book actually, but so they we, took all the Crowley stuff out of it. So they just totally omitted all the stuff I wrote about Crowley. And then they, then they put it out trying to put it out. I think it's just like, dude, have you ever seen Lavenda with Podesta? No. And, okay. Uh, Let's do this. Wow. Okay. Talk about a, a Crowley and, so we have this influence still of how you mentioned. Can you show that? Can you bring that up? Yeah. Of your, okay. Yikes. Yep. That's the guy that looks like the guy from Lincoln Park. Because <laughs> uh, that's the guy from Blink-182. The guy on the... Far left, Tom DeLonge. Yeah, the, well, the he's stars the, to the stars. Yeah, with the whole UFO and UAP. I'm saying the guy in the center looks like the guy from Lincoln oh. Park that. Oh right, was unalived. Yeah, yeah. Podesta looks like. Uh, I don't know his name. Chester. Chester. Bennington. Bennington, thank you. The lead vocals. Wow. Okay. So you see, just a sec. So you see Lavenda there. Mm-hmm. He's got the kind of distinctive facial hair. Mm-hmm. There you go. Let's watch this. This is from uh, a show. I forgot the name of it. It was like, oh, Secrets of Secret Societies. It's right there. So you can just look that up online. But he's, he's, you can tell that's him in the background. See that? It's an OTO ritual. I've never heard about that before. Yeah, no. Oh, yeah. No, it gets worse. Have you ever heard that he's this uh, ghost writer for. The Necronomicon. Yeah, it was Simon. Yeah, I've heard about that before. I've had people talk to me about that. But nowadays, I mean, you can't really, you can't really believe anything nowadays. I mean, there's so much going around as far well, as. My understanding is that there is actually a, a rise. Somebody has a 
writing from oh let me see here's another one here's a better picture of them uh there's actually a something from the library of congress that has his name as simon on it really yep and i'm sure simon has some numerical (laughs) i don't know it probably has some magical meaning let me see if i can find this that's what they do they use these names as well to carry it as a talisman of some sort right they charge it and they use it in their works and in their rituals and how Al- alistair crow he changed his name right he changed his name and i'm sure right. it, he's edward his name his real name is edward mm-hmm. edward you have i always talk about how hp lovecraft or hp high priestess harry potter hp Blavatsky. you have manly p hall you have all these different things where they carried them and their names as some sort of to again augment whatever it is that they're trying to do and as long as they believe it because i think that it's all i like the way that my friend talks about because you have crowley talking about the goetia and how it's aspects of your own mind aspects of your own psyche in a way and the way that my friend puts it he says magic is a way of convincing yourself almost sort of brainwashing yourself into believing whatever it is that you're trying to achieve therefore it is it is true and it does actually happen right because i think it was it crowley i talked about the supernatural it's not supernatural or did he did he talk about he did something like the psychology that you just mentioned yeah i i don't remember exactly what it is let me see here's this this is the thing. I don't know if this is a real story, but this is the certificate of registration for the Venda. Supposedly, somebody sent me this. Mm. The gates of the Necronomicon, and then it has Simon C. O. Harper Collins Publishers. But I think Lavenda's name is on here somewhere. Yeah, Peter Lavenda, whose pseudonym is Simon. So that's from. Uh, Copyright office, supposedly. Interesting. Yeah, I recently read one of his books and I'm going over the Dark Lord again because I'm doing some research on that and Kenneth Grant. And yeah, he would know. He yeah, you would know about that because you're saying they're initiated into these into these mystery schools and these and these groups. But the idea that it's still in works today. What are your thoughts on? What's going on right now with Trump being arrested? Do you think that's maybe like some sort of ritual, scapegoat ritual that's going on as well? Some occult ritual? I don't know. But I think a lot of this, they're probably cackling on the inside like it's all a big show. But I don't don't really know. I think Trump was very much involved with Epstein and knows a lot about stuff. They might have him totally blackmailed. I don't know. Um, But... He walked out of that presidential, uh, like, uh, this whole 2020 thing with his tail between his legs. Like, he didn't even see it coming. Like, how, how dumb are you? So, I don't know. I don't I don't think Trump is really that. I mean, I think it's kind of like his mentality is, like, it's all about me. So, he's like a prima donna. So, he didn't assemble, like, a, the smartest people around him. He didn't have a big enough team to prevent a lot of the stuff that happened during his entire administration. They just nipped at his heels the entire time. So, I don't know what's going on really on the inside. Who got blackmailed? Everybody in the United States who's a power in the cultural uh, or political elite, they tried to blackmail. So I assume he's somebody's got something on him. Because a lot of people failed to remember that he was one the one that really pushed out 
was it Operation Warp Speed? And he right. was the one that actually. How would it have changed if he was the one that got that thing out, and not Biden? Well, I've had some people who are like researching the whole warp speed and the kill shot who think that he's he's uh, culpable. So, uh, people who say he gets a pass, I mean that that kill shot didn't do anything but hurt people. Yeah, it had no prevention of transmission. Mm-hmm. It's a bioweapon. What it does to the human body is outrageous. It's too all encompassing, toxic that they should have put it out like usually one of these kill i mean i think the program is 20 years or 30 years um and goes back that far to mm. kill people off but this one it affects everything your brain gives you cancer kills if it doesn't kill you outright gives you autoimmune disease it's just toxic as hell and they're giving it to kids so they're killing children that's this whole administration i'm sorry but if you love biden you are a yeah. godforsaken fool yeah, oh, what's God happening at the, at the border? Especially. Oh, God curses you for your support of this guy. He's a monster. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, and th- and that's the thing. People with the deification of these people throughout history, like how you how you're saying that the Crowleyans came out of the woodwork to try and defend him, a guy who probably wouldn't right. He probably saw them as scum, as the the scum of society. As what what did what did you call him earlier? The peasants will work or something or other. Would you say? Oh, yeah, slave shall serve. The slaves, the he probably saw them as that, and now they're worshiping him, and that's the problem with, with politics today. You have this polarization, was which is also I think part of this initiation, if you will, this this system where they polarize people and they put them in the left or the right, and they do all these things, and you start to worship your deity within that side. So my guy is Trump, and my guy is Biden, and then my guy was. What's that other guy with the? He would always talk about the millionaires, and then was when he AOC, I don't know which one is it today. The gray-haired guy, I forget his name. Uh, Bernie. He first talking. Bernie, oh right. We got to right, go right. after the the millionaires, and it's like <laughs> now nah, he's, he's a he's such he, an obvious con man. <laughs> he has two houses. He drives around in a Ferrari. Really? He's totally sold out. Yeah. You ever seen him in a Ferrari? No, Bernie. <laughs> yeah. Let me see if I can find that picture. Bernie. Like these people Bernie. are easily duped. They're totally easily duped. Bernie Sanders wrenching his Ferrari F40. Wow, okay. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a picture of him. Riding with Biden. Is he got a Ferrari with Bernie, I guess. Yeah, okay. There's, he's actually fixing his Ferrari and telling people about socialism. Yikes. Give me a break. Go find a picture of his house. He lives in like a pa- palace. It's just a con job. Uh, they said that, you know, I think that another, you can go back to Orwell. And he always got everything right. And he said that socialism isn't really about the people. The socialists don't really care about the poor people. They hate the rich. They're jealous and envious of the rich. And that's a lot of the thing. That's really what happens. So that's like there's always the wealth redistribution. Instead of wealth creation, they always want wealth redistribution because they're jealous of the rich. Mm -hmm. Which is part of the system, again, this... This monetary system, this was it demon uh, democracy. You can have demon in there, <laughs> right? Yeah, no, you can't trust these people. When they deify, we're back in ancient Egyptian times where they deify these politicians, these celebrities as well. Which we know that the Crowley movement has also infiltrated the cinema. I call them cinemagicians, where they use 
They're all hyper sigils. They, you, you go, I did an episode with Jay Widener where we talked about there's a reason why during the Great Depression, escapism, during the Great Depression, theaters didn't go out of business. And some of the greatest movies were made during the Great Depression. You had, you had Dracula, you had King Kong, you had White Zombie, you had all, the, all these things that laid the foundation for Hollywood for years to come happened during the Great Depression. I was always wondering, like, why during this time that there was this economic contagion, it was all about contagions and being spread throughout all the markets. Well, how was it that in 2020 the, the theater survived again? Well, the problem with that is that during the Great Depression, there was something known as escapism where people were going to the movies to live a different reality. They were living through the movies. They were being put in these simulacros of caves. So like you had the Freemasons who go underground to do their whole little rituals. You have the Mithraic mysteries that were underground as well in these underground temples. Well, what's a movie theater if not a simulacrum of a cave? So you go in there, you sit down, and they flash a bunch of sigils in front of your face for X amount of time. You go, you go at night, right? You go in the, in the right. you go at night. And you're being you're totally in- passive. You're totally passive. Yes, you're so wide you're open. Receiving. It's super powerful. Yeah, it's super powerful. Yeah. Jay Weiner was like, hey, as a director, that's a very powerful technique. I mean, that's a technique for MK Ultra. That's a technique that's been used since the beginning of time. And I mean, it works. It's just like Alex DeLarge in uh, Clockwork Orange, right? Just flashing yes. pictures. The same thing that happens in Parallax View, right? The guy who becomes like the patsy is sitting down for the assassin creation. It's all pictures and images. They, they know what they're doing, man. It's all there. Absolutely. And so they they warp people's realities this way, and people are living in other timelines at the moment. They're 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 so and and that also that nine to five is is also a part of it, right? If you're yeah, if it's you're, a, it's definitely a part of it. It's a, definitely a part of control. It almost goes back to what's the movie out of. Uh, Fritz Lang movie uh, with all the occult stuff in it. Uh, Prince it? Lang, you said? Yeah, no, Fritz Lang, I think was the guy's name. But it had the, like, the... Metropolis? Yeah, Metropolis, where they're all kind of walking Never around. seen that movie like, before. Games, yeah. 1927. Yeah, no, it's really, yeah, it's really something else. But it's almost like that. It's a form of control, the 9 to 5 grind and your debt. I mean, they're really trying to wrap it up through the WEF, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, because we have don't that, have that well. time to think. And go, I mean, you and I, I understand, I can sense the stuff you read, Hoffman and Twyman, you know, of Lavenda. Go talk to some people at like a, a bar. You can talk to like that. It just glaze over. Yeah. If you don't, I mean, I've talked to people, they can only self reference sports. They don't have, they haven't read a book. It's real. I'm like, you might be from a different species, like at this point, like. <laughs> No, I'm not, I mean, I'm not exact. I'm all, it sounds like exaggeration, but some of these people, then I was like on this guy, what was his name? Weaponized News. Uh, his name was Cheney. Sam Cheney, I think is his name. Uh, he finished all my sentences. He knew everything that I had read and all that stuff. Like, I was just like, wow, dude. It's a, it's a niche. It, yeah. It's a niche. And that's why when, when I first started podcasting, I really didn't. I wanted to be like Rogan. I mean, that's the first podcast I ever listened to. Rogan, right? He talked about everything. And back when he was more conspiratorial, when he was talking about conspiracies and stuff, he had Eddie Bravo on there. But as as I started to really look down the rabbit hole, and it started with religion with me. I mean, it was, as soon as I was like, you know, there's other gospels. Like, what's going on with this? And then I started to ask my family about it, and they're like, yeah, don't look into that. I go, why? And it's like, 
the curiosity killed the cat, you're going to do exactly what they tell you not to do. It's like, what does that red button do? Well, don't touch it. I want to touch it now because I want to find out what it does. So absolutely. And I think that, that do you, do you have trouble getting through things as far as like movies and entertainment? Because I have such a hard time not seeing between the lines sometimes of these. Right. I definitely have a much more critical view of what I watch. Like before when I was a kid, you just sit down in front of the boob tube and let it come. Like I barely ever watch TV. I'm usually in front of my computer trying to select stuff and see stuff that I find Mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. So I'm a much more active participant. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm not getting hypnotized. Like I was definitely hypnotized 30 years ago. I mean, I'm, I'm so old. I remember turning the knob on the TV where you had seven channels, ABC, mm-hmm. NBC, CBS. That was it. Um, so, but yeah, I look at, I watch films much. Well, the symbology, what they're trying the subtext, all that stuff. Like white noise was incredible. Like I didn't know how deep it was. That movie is incredible. Like so were the ladies coming out of the TV. Uh, White Noise was a Netflix movie based upon a uh, Tom DeLillo book, White Noise. But just how kind of what a what a profound critique it is of consumerism and America. The latest society. one, right? Twenty twenty two. Yeah, correct. I started watching just and I couldn't it. finish it. I keep people keep bringing it up on my show, so I'm gonna have to finish it. Watch it like it's a mind control technique on you. Watch it like it's they're trying to control your mind. It'll become much more interesting because he does stuff right at the beginning. Imagine if you will. He's definitely trying to get you to create images in your brain. It's really incredible. Visual, yeah, visualizing, yeah. which is part yeah, of... Visual, he's, yeah, but that's very important. These are the, You're being... Americans are being subjected to heavy-duty MK Ultra mind control all the time. But if you look at... Uh, this is an example is the most... I think it was the Nazi speech that Biden gave. Go watch <laughs> that again because he's, he's, he's obviously gone, but somebody behind him who's puppeteering, this is like one of the most amazing times in human history right now because you literally have an emperor with no clothes like he and and uh kamala harris is just a total diversity hire she's a total idiot she cannot speak extemporaneously she's dangerous she's actually like a preschool's missing it's like third grade teacher or something like an elementary school or something <laughs> like it's that bad he's an idiot she's a total idiot i think he might have been semi-smart back in the day but go watch that speech again, but watch it like they're mind controlling you because it's a very powerful technique where they're asking you to visualize things in your mind. Mm-hmm. So it's outside of reality. So like, yeah, watch that speech, but watch it with like, oh, this guy's trying to really rape my brain. And it becomes even more important, more interesting. And it goes back really, I just actually posted something called Brain Warfare. It was from 1953 by Alan Billis. It was three days before MK Ultra started. I just read the whole thing into the thing. It was a speech that he gave uh, to alumni at Princeton. 19 what? 1953. That's when, and literally three days later, he walked over to Sidney Gottlieb, this kind of like poisoner in chief, according to Stephen Kinzer's book. And they started the whole, all the 149 sub projects of MK Ultra in a warfare mentality. But you have to see some of these recent speeches by Biden because he's just repeating this kind of mind control mm-hmm. stuff. Whenever somebody's suggesting to you to to put things into your imagery, it's very profound because it's mm-hmm. not you seeing externally. They're trying to subjectify your ideas, and they're doing it through Biden speeches. Like it's incredible. So it's off the charts. Let me see if I can find it. We talked about 
Crowley at the beginning be, giving him more credit than credit is due because what if he actually was as smart as people make him out to be? Are these people being smart and strategic, William, in your opinion? Or are they... Because I've always told people, I go... Because these conspiracy theorists sometimes think that they have it all figured out. Oh, there's, there's going to be a, a, a big event this month that's going to happen on such and such date. It's like... They're always wrong, too. Yeah. And that's the thing. They're always wrong. So they think they have it figured out. I go, don't you think that these people who have been ruling the world for thousands of years, you don't think that they're a little bit more smarter, a little bit more, you know, not as smart as this guy in his basement somewhere who figured it out who you know looked at a few youtube videos read a couple of books and he, he figured it out you don't think that they're smarter than that guy because i mean they're the ones in power or what is perceived as power it's like are these people just that dumb william or are they actually super smart and they've figured out a way to manipulate this because if you think about it you don't you don't think that if they if they actually do they know how ridiculous these politics look and these politicians look on air? Do, do they do they know how ridiculous they look? Or is it that people are just that dumbed down that they can't even see that? Because some people still, you see it on Twitter. They still praise Biden. They're like, oh, he's doing a great job. What? They're insane. They, I mean, they're probably paid propagandists. I mean, they're probably bots. Propaganda is like fake people. Yeah, bots or, yeah, or paid assets. And almost all corporations and stuff have these social media influencers under but you know what i'm getting at though is it is it are they holding up this facade that is like oh okay well some people still right he was the most popular president of all time they have to i think they have to they're just trying to find the stupidest people to to have them believe them like they just keep saying 81 million votes the guy has like 20 million twitter followers uh you know they're saying he got the most votes of any president in human in american history it's a joke so they keep hammering it to you uh, whether you believe it or not. I mean, I don't believe anything. I don't believe anything. I know how toxic these people are, how poisonous they are. So um, I think that they just have to keep lying and cheating because that's just kind of their nature. That's how they got into probably power, how they maintain power. Look at all the lies that went through Trump. Like they blamed him for the Russian thing, but it was a huge kind of facade. Like they had all their tendrils, very sophisticated. They had all their ducks in a row to maintain this lie. And, uh, to the detriment of the whole country. I mean, they're mismanaging the country. We're like a, about at a debt limit. There you have a kind of, it went from a unipolar to a multipolar world fast. And once that money, they don't try to trade the, the petrodollar, you're, they're going to have to buy back or do something funny to get all those dollars out of circulation or we're going to be basically Germany post-World War One. Yeah, where they're scooping it up and burning it on the street. I mean, and that's, an, that's another thing. And talk about alchemy that can quite literally create money out of thin air and give it value and it's like hey here we're gonna give this money with all these sigils on it it's like right like, all this sigil money. so yeah <laughs> i mean i think it goes back to your theme you get you start blowing the dust off or looking back behind the curtain and it is the wizard of oz they have taken people's brains their hearts uh you know and they own them and it's all through magic so the wizard of oz very important mk ultra kind of like training guide but also uh what was it frank baum had it right he got he understood the kind of archetypes of these you know these people alternate reality right which is the wizard um so i think and oz actually kind of ties into crowley oz for crowley is uh 
it correlates to 77 actually so you can really? look into his Libra Oz yeah look up Libra Oz oh that's pull, right Libra Oz because I had Isaac Weishaupt shout out to Isaac Weishaupt he, he was just on Tinfoil Hat and he was talking about the Wizard of Oz franchise oh that's was. right yeah I saw that I need to listen to that yeah so he actually gave me a shout out on that show so yeah that, that's how I know about it but we have the do you have any tips or tricks William from your experience as to what should we do should because I've always told people play the system to your benefit right be a part of the system but be aware that you're in the system so as long as you're aware and you have that right you break down that fourth wall type of thing if you know that you're in the system they kind of have less control over you because how we've been talking about we watch all these things and i mean i watch cartoons with my son right they're 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 putting all these things in these cartoons right and i'm sitting there watching it as me right from my occultic spyglass if you will and i'm i'm peeling apart transformers and and whatever other movies paddington 2 or something you know like i'm, right. I'm seeing you know, the and all these things it's and it's everywhere. like you know do you have any any way of like what should people do from your point of view from your experience in this, all these years and in, in this research it's a really good question i mean i think you kind of have to like the bible says you know be not part of the world i think that's kind of it if you're able to somehow extricate yourself psychologically financially uh spiritually you'd be in much better shape i think so i think because it's now permeating you're not going to have they're not going to allow you to live uh in peace without being bothered so they're going to want you to say this man is actually this trans person is really a woman like that's my real objection to the trans ideology it's not so much that this person is dressed as this man is dressed as a woman they want to treat you like a woman legally and objectively like a woman you're not a woman and i'll know i don't think i can ever really fake that but that's just one example i think they're really going after just like all these other tyrannical governments or systems well even whether it's communism or nazism they always go after god they don't want you to actually believe kind of kill god like nietzsche you know god is dead because we killed him right so um, even Crowley too, right? So you see here this little distillation of all of his ideas. You see there is no God but man. So deific deification of man over creation, over creator. So, I mean, to answer your question, I don't really have a gr the greatest answer for that. I guess everybody's different. I know some Christians who have gotten off the grid. They literally are not hooked up to the internet. They have to do something to get on there so they can't be spied on. Like that was their call some people are going into the for you know going back to rural life i think that the necessity of a city really with the advent of uh, the internet to have information and stuff like that you don't really need to be in a city anymore it might be worthwhile to get back to live off the land and don't bring attention to yourself because i don't think they're going to let people live and uh, let be like you know the whole idea of freedom like they you almost never hear of the constitution of the bill of rights almost from anybody even on the right it used to be kind of like uh the first amendment was really kind of like a sainted position of the left but it's gone like they just gave up on the bill of rights and now you have all this fake morality out there wokeness and transness and all this stuff it's godless uh drivel so 
you know, everybody has to kind of get out of uh, Egypt, I suppose, and do their own exodus to, uh, in a way. But yes, Libra all is very important. So you see on the bottom, it says the slave shall serve. It's a quote from the book of the law. And then uh, every man and woman is a star. These are all do with that. Well, shall be the whole of the law. That's 11 words, 11 syllables, actually. So you see this kind of completion. And then you see the author there. So it says Libra 77 Oz. And that symbol there is Crowley's Mark of the Beast. So it's a phallic symbol, star symbol. But it's also a conjunction of like the moon, the moon, the sun, the stars. Yeah. Did the was Ruby Ridge off grid? Because I mean, we we saw what happened there, right? Yeah, I think he tried to go off grid. I think that uh, Waco was. They were trying to kind of get off grid too. We oh, saw Waco. Yeah, they didn't leave them alone. Waco is off ridge too, off grid yeah, too. So, so it's like I mean, you're, it doesn't mean you're safe. It doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean that's not. Like, it doesn't mean you're safe if you're off grid because they're still gonna find you if they deem you to be a problem. Because I find it funny all the time. People are like, oh yeah, you know, they're they're talking to me through a phone, and they're like, yeah, I don't have social media or anything. I don't want to be spied on. I go, yeah, but you're talking to me on a phone that they're probably tracking anyways. So it's like yeah, if you have an iPhone, they're taking a picture of you in, um, yeah, infrared every five seconds anyway. So really, t- yeah, yeah. Go put your iPhone in an infrared uh, thing. They're taking a picture of you, so they're tra- you're being tracked. It's just a matter of time before they put it on your body, which will be really the uh, culmination of revelation, kind of what we started out with. But uh, yeah, no, I mean it's there. I think that this agenda is ongoing. And even the breaking down of kind of gender roles is satanic, just like Crowley identified uh, the devil as kind of like a positive androgyne, like somebody who's not separate as like God created man and woman. So that's yeah, awesome. the, the dissolving of of paradigms and shifting of, of again realities. So, uh, have you ever talked to Michael Wanadol? The name sounds familiar. W A N. W-A-N-N, yeah, Michael Wan. He's a Susquehanna alchemy. And I had him on the other day, and he, he I've done shows with him before. And he talked about something about, the, the last time I had him on was about that, about these meta paradigm shifts, so these, these shifting, right, where they make room every now and again for these shifts of beliefs, of, of realities for some people. And they do it sometimes forcefully or people play into it. Like, it depends, but you'll see it every so often, right? Because you had the early 1900s and you had the mid-1900s and, you know, you had the late 1900s, you have the 2000s now. And you, you see how ideas change, right? And it's every so often there's a new certain class that's either injected into society that makes that room for these new paradigms to shift, to 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 put themselves in right and it, it, you do that shift and i just think of the reality tunnels right and and how people are just deadlocked into this reality and you can kind of peek your head out of one and pop into the next one and do all these things that's the way i i can visualize it but i think that's what's going on in real time even with kids in school uh with 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 whatever i mean you you just see it over and over again so you're in one of those uh, shifts right now, right? Yeah. With, like drag and trans or whatever. Imagine what they did with Bud Light. 
They yeah. put some hokey whack job. <laughs> well, go listen to her, what she said. Like, I'm now in control. The Bud Light brand is declining. And it's evolution. This is evolution. So she actually brought in a very powerful term. She thought that putting this kind of like trans kid, what Mulvaney or whatever, on the thing was a form of evolution. We have to move in and get away from the fratty, you know, provincial, small-minded. I mean, this is really dark stuff for me. And the kicker is, is she said the Bud Light brand is declining. Do you know what the number one selling brand of beer in the United States is? What is it? Bud Light. Really? <laughs> yeah, so she's like twisting reality even with that. Ooh. So she's, it might be declining. It's still the number one. It's like saying... Uh, they shed nearly $5 billion in value since Bud Light's still in. Right. It's going to get worse because they, they just no frat guy is going to want to even uh, be creeped out with that picture of that weird, mm -hmm. odd trans person on there. But the whole so thing with me... A direct, to me to me, that's a direct assault on kind of gender normalcy is that. And that's what she's doing. She was a freak. She's a VP. Watch that. That Watch her over it. Watch her statement or you could bring it up. It's loaded with kind of woke, Luciferian stuff. The fact that she used the word evolution is so, very telling to me. Was Crowley some sort of... Like pre MK Ultra child of some sort. What do you? Th yes. Can we I say? I think that? he was definitely. Yeah, he was reality shaping in his own way. So he, we would call you use that term. You know, go through a different reality. He would say bringing on the child of horse, or okay. the uh, right. So it would be this. Uh, and actually, uh, Hitler too was actually an aeonic change type person. Like he wanted a thousand year Reich. Cruelly wanted the new era of magic. So he would call it uh, the age of horse, right? So you go from Isis to horse. So this new magical age. And he called it the birth of the child. So he saw the birth of the child actually taking place in the 60s, which is really prescient in his sense because the 60s really was a reality change, right? You went from this post-World War yes. II stability. Sexual liberation. You had the, that was drugs. why they thought Parsons succeeded because it was that he, that's what they wanted, the sexual liberation of women and and society and how you said right peace supposedly love, they're but... supposedly liberated you know <laughs> i mean that's the whole thing and drugs and everything and promoted by leary who care, was carrying on their tradition yes. of crowley and hubbard was a crowley lover too so yes you see oh, this kind of yeah yeah and that's all in children of the beast you can look at those records uh, so i have to check that one out i watched the other one but I, that's why i'm saying like did they birth a lineage of people such as this dylan mulvaney or whatever however you say it like part of that cult right I use that global death cult. i think i think so in a in a kind of a much broader way there may not be specifics behind the scene but i do believe that the trans thing is a trans industrial complex so you hear like the military industrial complex there is a trans industrial really good writer i saw this uh, lecture i wish i could remember her name she's a feminist and from a feminist point of view but she goes back and looks at some of these guys who are like promoting this. They're very wealthy guys. Uh, what is it? The Pritzker family are donating and supporting this cultural change. So these are, I mean, in me, my mind, these are like, like the emissaries of the devil. Like they're evil people. But we're even putting out the authors of confusion, just like Satan, right? Are they so doing that? 
Are they doing it consciously though, William? Or are they yeah, doing I it subconscious? So. You think they're doing it consciously? They're not. Well, I think they're consciously doing it with in a subconscious way. So I think that they're trying to influence everybody's subconscious. Nobody in my era, I'm so I'm 54, ever questioned their gender. There may be one out of a thousand. <laughs> it's so weird. Now it's like you're on a spectrum and the genders are gone. Yeah. That's what these kids think. Like I have children. Like I know what they're exposed to. Like. This is a this is demonic to me. It's evil infiltration. It's demonic. It's spiritually wicked. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I so agree. I, My, I have that view. Though where I stand is because that's fine. If you want to identify as Cthulhu or identify as a hot dog or identify or as a giraffe, yeah. whatever, that's okay. But don't force your ideologies on me. You know what I'm saying? Like, keep it, stay that's in your funny. lane. Keep the kids out of it because that's my whole thing, right? And we had the the Dalai Lama incident oh, that happened this week, and right, just keep the kids out of it. That that's where I say whatever happens between two consenting adults, right? Because Crowley was a homosexual, which is it's okay if you're homosexual. Bisexual. I would say he's bisexual. Yeah. Or, yeah, bisexual. Right. He was, but he wanted to from being repressed as a boy from through the religion. He wanted to. Explore after you, which is fine. Just what are you trying to do? You trying to bring on a new age of Horus <laughs> and <laughs> right. of like lawlessness? Like that would be Crowley's law of freedom, is you can do anything. And go look at some of the homosexual ideologues or like the the thought believers. They all like whether it's Foucault or some of these philosophers and things like that. They wanted to break down the barriers of uh, sexual behavior like they they it's part of them like Foucault is like admired these days but I mean you can go back to Harry Hay who who like literally played piano with Parsons like if you're a Parsons guy go look up Harry Hay he was literally the founder of a homosexual secret society who played the organ in these OTO rituals so he was at that place like there's a famous picture of Parsons the founder of the gay rights movement was like playing Whoa. piano for that guy. American like gay rights Activist, communist, and labor advocate. He was the co-founder of the Matachin Society, the first sustained gay rights group in the United States, as well as the Radical Fairies, a loosely affiliated gay spiritual movement. <laughs> and admired Crowley, that they have Crowley as like one of their ideas, because Crowley, you could just, re- it's another, uh, you know, I'm a god, I can reshape reality. There's no external reality. I can just say what I want. But one of the things, just to add to kind of what you said, like, the problem is, is these people are going to reshape reality, but say that that should be legal. So the reshaping of reality is actually putting a dude with his own genitals into a women's competition, right? Like for me, that was a huge mistake for all the college administrators and everybody in the kind of any position of authority in any school or administrative body to allow a man to compete against a woman. You failed because that is a man. So they need, I've, I've said this on other shows, they need to add a, another referee and a shrink. So there'll be a referee to administrate the sport, another referee to determine whether the biological anatomy is a man or a woman, and then a psychiatrist to see what this person's doing, because they shouldn't be there. And they should have, if you want to have like a trans competition, you should just have your separate trans competition. You're not a woman. You're a dude, you've had testosterone, a whole different b- bunch of hormones, much different than women who are, have all kinds of different hormones than men. You've had the, whatever the difference, uh, and I'm, you know, the women have much better skills at certain things than men. There's no question. Uh, but you've had this whole testosterone going through your body. So you're just totally different. There's no way you're a woman. 
You'll never be a woman in my mind, my mind. And I'll never change that opinion. Those men are men with who dress up like women. That's there's whole like comedy shows and bits of dudes dressed up like women. Yeah. <laughs> there was a movie like Some Like It Hot with uh, Lemon and Jack Curtis with Marilyn Monroe. It's funny. They're dressed up like women. Okay. But they're men. Like, I'm not going to say that's a woman. That's a guy with lips, lipstick and uh, wearing a dress and pants. Are they or are they not succeeding, William, in this? Oh, I think, I think they've already succeeded. I think they've already. If you can get a dude into a woman's competition, you've succeeded. And they had that whole thing at San Francisco State, this poor girl who's like, hey, these are men. I'm competing against men. They've ruined the sport. She's right. And those people said they keep saying trans rights or human rights like i don't have any problem with that because that's not the issue that's actually a deflection and a, and a miss application of a phrase like i don't have a problem with that kind of dictum it's not the point the point is is that that person is a biological male who still has his genitals and he's in with a woman and you're just saying you can adjust reality to that and i that's a mistake. It's actually an assault upon reality. It's literally an assault upon reality. I had this guy, J.J. Dawson, who uh, wrote that. He said, it's not a matter of culture war. It's a, it's a hill to die on. Like, this is it. Like, because if they can just redefine reality, then we're all screwed. Like, imagine somebody who's redefining reality in position of power in the Biden administration. The Biden administration specifically stated that trans rights are the soul of America. They just came out and said that. I don't think Biden came up with it, but so that's the soul of America. You also had a soul of America speech where the mega Republicans were the danger. And then you're adding to this, this kind of the soul of America is some kind of uh, bio uh, gender dysphoria where people can't determine their gender or they make it up on the daily. Like, no, these, these are, this is a disaster. <laughs> it's, it's a circus. It's a circus yeah, show it's a circus. It's full of yeah. freaks. I mean, that's, that's it's a freak exactly. show. It's a yeah, freak it's a show. freak show. I mean, that, that's exactly what it is. And I, I don't know. It feels like it's been spiraling out of control for a while now. And it's like, where where does it stop? And where does it even begin? Because it's like, I, it, it makes a lot of well, sense what Michael Wan is telling you. Like this, these, this is the, the push for that new paradigm shift. It, it, this is that yeah, new reality tunnel that we're going to enter as a collective conscious. And we're going to yes. dip right into that. And it's like, you either reform to that or you either bend the knee or you're outcasted. I mean, that's, that's essentially right. what it right. is. That's what the, that's the paradigm that they want. It's right. not get along and go along. It's either you're with us or we're going to attack you. So these trans guys are like beating up women. There was this whole thing in New Zealand. There was this girl who shot supposedly shot people up at a Christian school, killed six people because of so-called oppression. And it's interesting to go off as like a specific Christian school. So the Christians are the one really keeping us down. <laughs> like you can go act like a woman. I don't mind if you dress up yeah. as a girl or, and it's interesting too, because it's not the other way around. There's the, the men are dressing up in women and invading women's spaces, but the biological females, very few of them dress up with men and they don't go into the male spaces. Have you noticed that? No, that to me not. is very telling because it's actually kind of like uh, it just shows the innate nature of gender. Wait, so you said the the women dressing up as men don't go into, so like they don't go don't into go the into, men's bathroom. Yeah, they're not trying to get in the men's bathroom. Okay, I got but you. I got dudes you. are dressing up like women and going into women's spaces. Yeah, because yeah. they're creeps. Yeah, I had somebody on. They 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 are getting a sexual charge out of it. They they that's yes. the thing. It's a so fetish. That's even more. 
It's a fetish. So it's even more disturbing. So it's you really are having like a male fetish. There was a guy, there was another one they had a huge kerfluffle about, I think it was in Canada, where a dude with male genitalia went into a woman's like uh, Brazilian wax place and said, wax my genitalia. And she said, no. And they had a tantrum. <laughs> but you're a dude. Like, go get a dude to do that. So like, it reminds me of the, of the cake where they didn't want to put the two, was it the, the cake? The two people at the top of it, and they, I think they sued them or something or other. Yeah, but you know what's interesting, the backstory of that, is that those two guys drove specifically to mm. a Christian baker who they knew would resist them, uh, who wouldn't do yeah. it. So they didn't, they, they're from a completely different town. So they could have gone and just gone and not have a conflict. They could have gone to some pro person who would have put it on there. They deliberately chose that guy because he was, has his Christian principles, so. Absolutely. And William, as we approach the end here, do you, do you have any predictions as to what's next? We had Trump on his platform tweeting or posting about World War Three. Do you think we're going to actually get there? Are we already in World War Three? What are your thoughts as as to what's going to happen next and the future far or near what are your what are your thoughts well i'm not optimistic i'm not optimistic (laughs) and i do think that we're in a kind of world war three situation it's a different type of warfare it's not what you watch going back and watching a you know world war ii documentary where there's set lines and the people move we're in fourth and fifth generation warfare go look it up where there aren't borders in a normal sense and COVID was a perfect example of that. I do believe this trans push is a form of warfare and against reality and God and God's reality. So I really think it's that bad. So I'm not optimistic. They're ga- gaining steam. They're going after the children, which is very like uh, the kind of uh, life of, you know, the kind of peaceful life of a child, you know, is gone. And they're poisoning with this kill shot, too. And that tells you everything about this administration, like I've said. Uh, they know what's going on. The head of the CDC, Walensky, knows that people are being injured. She's just lying and trying to intimidate people. It should scare you. That's where your tax dollars. And that's kind of like this type of warfare is that they could, the, the real warfare is to infiltrate these institutions and turn them to your will. So you can actually see that with O'Keefe and Project Veritas. He literally somehow got infiltrated and got punted out of his own organization. It's incredible. But it's that's the type of warfare it is. So you get some guy. I'm not saying they got bribed or whatever, but somebody, you know, instituted something where the actual head and his position, like that whole story they made of like him spending too much money on black cars. Like I know that's complete non. Like that's just for public. Who was it? In my opinion, yeah. Well, he spent a lot of money, but that's what you do. You're a journalist out there on the road going around. You have to kind of. Move around. I don't think it was a, an unnecessary payment. It was like less than ten percent of it. Who was it? What was his name? Uh, who? Uh, O'Keefe. Oh, O'Keefe. O'Keefe. Okay, I didn't yeah. hear the name. But I was just kind of likening that to how the new type of warfare is done. Is you burrow into the, kind of like Gramsci, like a left wing kind of commie view, where you burrow your way into already existing systems and and pervert them and actually weaponize them. So I think the CDC is totally weaponized. The who, who is totally weaponized by infiltrators and things like that. So you can't trust the you can't trust these government agencies or anybody. I don't trust FBI. I mean, it gets it's it's a horror show. So 
I think that you just have to really be aware. I think that the alternate media is really going to save lives by getting people's information. There's people much smarter than me trying to get the information out and keeping people informed. Because I do think that the alternate media was really uh, Joe Rogan or some of these other guys. They were the ones telling people these shots are dangerous, give you myocarditis, which the government won't tell you. They denied it, you know, up until recently. So, um, yeah, I'm not optimistic. And I think that it's really part of the depopulation agenda. And that's why you should watch White Noise, because they're conditioning people to accept the mass murder. And they've already been conditioned to accept the mass murder because it's already happened. According to some people, the numbers are off the charts of how many people were killed by the shots. Or the, the And another example is the toxic kill protocols that went through the entire American medical fraternity. Like they, they had perverse incentives to put people on remdesivir and uh, put them on when they had accurate, they had perfectly fine, uh, easily administered, tested medicines like remdesivir and hydroxychloroquine and vitamin D. If you have cancer, you should look into hydroxychloroquine as a uh, cure-all. So they're hiding these cures from people. I'm 100% convinced of that. So Fauci and Gates are monsters. So. And the, the fact that it's not the, the legal system in the United States, in the defense system, in the Defense Department, and the CIA is not working to your benefit to resolve this in the DOJ should terrify you. Literally scarier than all of the horror movies ever made. These are people who are like horror show agents. If you know the facts, like I've looked into the whole facts around COVID, they had they had the solution. They had ivermectin. I mean, it was. I mean, Trump was trying to bring it out. They just twisted him. Whatever way, whether he's blackmailed or not, I don't know. And Rogan too, they even changed the skin of his the color of his skin oh, to yeah. look like yeah, gray when he had to take the yeah. horse dewormer. <laughs> right. They went after him. Yeah. They went after him. They tried they've tried to cancel him over and over again. They hate his guts. I mean, and I don't even think like he's like a full bore dissident either. But uh just by having any kind of freedom of speech or critical analysis, they don't want that. They want you like a zombie in Metropolis. Or like a slave in ancient Egypt. That's the way That's the way these people think. They think like Crowley. That's why Crowley's important. And this whole slaves who can shall serve. I mean, if you want to wrap it up that way. I think that Crowley is an exemplar of a lot of these elites and their attitudes towards other people. They're not egalitarians. They're elitists. And uh, for you to die, your kids to die from an unnecessary medical procedure, they do not give a crap. They care more about a cockroach. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yesterday I was watching, I forgot what I was watching. I was watching TV with my wife and uh, a, a an advertisement came on about how you should vaccinate because we've opted out of vaccinating our kids because it's poison. And there was this commercial of this lady, a mom, right? And how she has a friend who now has uh, a whole complications for the rest of their life because of a childhood virus that they, they weren't vaccinated for. Right. And I'm like, wait a minute, if you're vaccinated, what, why should you worry about me getting the thing that you're vaccinated for? Like, right. You know what I'm saying? So it was like right. the whole thing. And then at the very end of it, it was like brought to you by Merrick or some, some pharmaceutical company. It's like, Oh, okay. I see what's going on. It's like brought to you by Pfizer. It's like, how is that? Okay. Right. But the, so per it it's a perfect example of fifth generation warfare or fourth generation where they infiltrate these news agencies and pay all of their advertising. And then they're just basically run their brain. So that's it. You got to really watch out. I don't, I'm a totally against the entire vaccine schedule, like the 72 vaccines. Like when you know, it's bullshit baloney if they're putting in 
Epsi. Seventy two, isn't there seventy two keys of Solomon? I think that's where I think that's where we're at now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you talk about Galatia. Uh, so the sad thing is that there is a correlation with the increase in the vaccine schedule and the increase of what's called autism. And there are ways to kind of uh, get out of autism. It's really just a brain poisoning. They're trying to take as many people out of the gene pool as possible. Possible, and that's another thing about trans. But uh, the uh, you can use zeolite, and there's other kind of infrared saunas and things like that that have helped people. So I've heard. But yeah, be careful. Don't get your kids vac. Don't get your children vaccinated. Get them natural immunity. You actually want them to go play in a garbage can. Actually, go swim in like dirty water. Like a raccoon. <laughs> yeah, no, because you'll actually get natural immunity. Your kids will get sick, and then they'll be fine. Natural immunity is God's way. And I think that I think that the idea, the real truth is why there's not so many sicknesses and illnesses is because of sanitation and cleanliness and things like that. If you go back in the day, I mean, the Black Plague was because it was dirty and filthy and there were rats carrying lice. So, uh, yeah, I think that the, the vaccinations are really one of the biggest scams, it's kind of like phrenology or some kind of astrology ever permitted against the human population <laughs> i'm not kidding the monsters exist william and they monsters exist, exist yeah. and they exist in our government they're gonna probably the scum is probably going to continue to exist but as long as you're able to right if you're listening to this podcast you're probably a step ahead of the game because you're in, in the realm of things where you're trying to de-occult things and see through the BS that these elites put in front of us. And you're able to read through the lines somewhat. Because I think that's the most, the, the, that's, I think that's why podcasts are important because for the most part, until further notice, they're uncensorable, right? They can deplatform you, but the message will always stay in the airwaves, right? The RSS feed is eternal. So as long as you have a podcasting 2.0 app, you can always get the one-on-one podcast and William, this was awesome. Really enjoyed our talk. Where can people find you one more time for my listeners if they want to read your work? Uh, my my work, you can buy signed copies through WilliamRamseyInvestigates.com. You can buy my books through Amazon. And my films are on Vimeo. If you're more of a visual learner, uh, you can hear me drone on about all my books. And it's SFK on Vimeo. And then I'll have over 900 episodes on my podcast, William Ramsey Investigates Independent. And I cover a lot of different different subjects. William, appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. I really enjoyed this. And as always, make sure to find me, tjojp.com, at the one One Podcast on all social media platforms. Thank you so much, William. And I'll catch you guys on the other side.